turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. And I want to talk to us tonight about something that I feel like is very, very fitting for this church right now, for this congregation. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Well, especially in the last few weeks, been a lot of questions. And by the way, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with questioning, with questioning God, as long as you realize that at the end of the day that he's always right. But I want to talk to you about this subject tonight, when God doesn't fulfill your prayer request. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I prayed about some things in the last few weeks. I prayed that God would do something. And I'm going to be honest, he didn't do it. And I, I sort of walked away because I believe God answers prayer. First John reminds me that God hears my prayer and he answers my prayer. But God saw fit not to answer my prayer. And well, I had a lot of questions. And I feel like uh, I feel like a lot of our people have questions right now, and I feel like a lot of folks that are watching while we have live stream. Our nation is seeing things, uh, is seeing things that we've never seen before in our life. Things are so unpredictable, and this COVID thing, you know, it's, it seems like the people that are the most healthy are the ones it ends up taking, and the ones that when you hear this person's got COVID, you're thinking, oh, they're done for, and they bounce right back. And so there's so many unpredictables right now uh, in our world. And now we're seeing all that's going on in our nation as far as politics and, and our economy and, and all these things. And so I want to I, I I just, you know what, I, I, I think what I'm doing tonight, I think I'm preaching to me. And you're going to get to listen in. And so when God doesn't fulfill your prayer, because this has been on my heart for weeks now, and, uh, and I thought, I'm going to preach a message on that. And so maybe I'm preaching to me tonight. And, and I hope maybe that you'll be able to listen in and get some help this evening. And so um, time's a little later than normal because of the things that we've done. And so I'll try to uh, maneuver through this quickly tonight. But I want you to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's all stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number one, the apostle Paul, by the way, these first few verses, Paul talks about a man and Paul is talking about himself. He said in verse one, it is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Paul says, I, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. Now, probably what Paul is talking about here is if you go back to the book of Acts, Paul was stoned in a place called Lystra and was pretty much dragged out of the city and left for dead. In fact, uh, some scholars believe that Paul was dead and that, that uh, the Lord resurrected Paul to life again. Uh, we're not exactly sure. I'm going to be honest. Paul's not sure. Paul says, I knew a man and that man, whether he was in the body, whether he was still alive or whether he was out of the body, you know, Paul said, I'm not really sure. I don't know. That's what Paul's talking about. Verse three, 
And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he, which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. In other words, Paul saw heaven. He, he receives this revelation, almost like John the Revelator. And Paul says in verse seven, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, what I was able to see and hear, he said, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now look at verse eight. Paul says, for this thing, for this thorn, I besought the Lord thrice or three times that it might depart from me. And he talking about the Lord. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, again, I want you to really follow me here. And, 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 and some of you have a red letter edition Bible and others of you don't. You don't have to have a red letter edition Bible. But I, I, tonight, I do have a red letter edition. And you'll notice in verse 9, and he, Paul says, and he talking about the Lord, and he said unto me, and then you notice it's in red. Y'all see that? And so this is the Lord speaking. The Lord says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now Paul begins to speak again and he says, most gladly therefore will I, Paul, will I rather glory in my, my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul said, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You may be seated tonight. And I want to talk to us a little bit about that subject tonight. When God doesn't fulfill your prayer request. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings and Thank you for this great service and the wonderful music. And, and uh, Lord, we thank you for the things that you're doing at Calvary. Lord, I pray now that you'll knit our hearts together. I, I do know this. I know that Satan never wants us to hear truth because it's the truth that makes us free. He desires us to be in bondage. He desires us to be bitter. He desires us to be indifferent to the things of the Lord. He desires us, Lord, when we don't understand everything that God is doing, he desires us to have a falling out with God. He desires to render us ineffective in the work of God. And Father, would you remind us tonight that if, that if, if bitterness, if that root of bitterness begins to spring up, it most certainly will render us ineffective for the Lord. 
Father, give us understanding tonight. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. I know our folks are tired. I know they're fatigued and weary. And so, Lord, right now, if you would answer this prayer, would you give them a supernatural dose of energy so they could listen intently? Bless and help the live stream to be seamless tonight. No problems. So we can reach out. And I pray that Christ, our Savior, would receive praise and glory and honor from all that's done. Save the lost, encourage the saved. And I pray that we'll leave tonight being able to say it was good to be in the house of the Lord. We love you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. I think most would agree. If we could talk to the apostle Paul tonight, we would say, Paul, we would much rather hear about the heaven you saw than we would about the thorn you're experiencing. How many know that thorns are painful and prickly and uncomfortable? We were down here working on the prayer trail a few weeks ago and I didn't bring the right gloves that day. I had some mechanics gloves and I should have brought some of those old rawhide gloves and man, we were pulling briars and bushes and man, the next few days, my hands were so sore because we were, those thorns were, uh, were prickling my hands and my hands my, and my fingers were so sore and that's how thorns are. Thorns are uncomfortable. Thorns are not necessarily pretty. And so here Paul is talking about a revelation that he received about heaven. And then he talks about a thorn that the Lord had given him in the flesh. And we find here that God forbids Paul to speak of the revelation. And yet he leads Paul to talk about the struggle. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I'd rather hear about heaven then hear about a thorn. And that, yet that's not, that was not God's perfect plan. God said, you're going to have to wait on heaven. I want you to learn about the thorn. In the interesting church that when Paul does begin talking about the thorn, he never tells us exactly what the thorn was. Now there are so many different, uh, so many different, you know, suppositions and and uh, some, some scholars believe that Paul's thorn in the flesh was an eye problem. Uh, Galatians chapter six, verse number 11, Paul said, you see how large a letter that I wrote unto you, Galatians. And so some scholars believe that Paul was pert near blind. They believe that he had uh, an eye disease and that his, uh, his eyesight was, was horrible and that his eyes were matted and probably ran uh, and that when, uh, and, and, and normally you read through your New Testament and normally you'll find that when Paul, uh, when the Holy Spirit is giving Paul a letter, he usually dictates that letter and someone like Luke or others would uh, write that letter for him. And so Paul, when he's writing to the Galatians, Paul says, boy, I had to write a, a large letter. Uh, Galatians is not a very long book, it's a little short book. And yet Paul talks about a large letter. And most scholars believe that uh, Paul had to write it in big big letters because he couldn't see tiny print. Others believe it was a health issue. Some believe that Paul's thorn was a wife. And well, how many, how many know that uh, a wife can be a blessing? 
or she can be a thorn. Far as that goes, a husband can be. Some believe that it was that Paul was a widower and that Paul actually had a wife at one time or another and maybe he loved that wife and he'd lost that wife and, and from that time on, Paul chose to remain unmarried and to serve the Lord, but they, some believe at least, and you can come up to your own conclusion here, but some believe that Paul was lonely. Other, other believe that it was a physical temptation. Some believe it was demonic oppression. And I think, the, I think the important thing to note here is this. We're not sure. And anybody who tells you that they're sure, well, I'm not really sure about that. And you see, the truth of the matter is God left the thorn unlabeled for a reason. Had, had God labeled Paul's thorn, then there's a really good chance that many of us would have read this scripture and we would have said, well, God's grace is sufficient for Paul's thorn, but uh, my thorn is not the same thorn that Paul had. And so uh, God's grace may be sufficient for Paul, but God's grace is not sufficient for mine. And so God in his infinite wisdom said this, I'm gonna leave it undefined. I'm gonna leave it unlabeled. And uh, I just want you to know that there is a thorn, but please understand that whatever your thorn is, God's grace is sufficient for your thorn. And, and there's a lot of thorns here tonight. Some of you have thorns. Some of you, boy, are going through storms right now and going through valleys right now. And uh, uh, two years ago, we had never heard of COVID-19. We didn't know what coronavirus really was. And, uh, and uh, 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 these fellas were talking about the church. And boy, we're so blessed tonight. God's been so good to us. And, and man, we were so excited for so many months about moving into this beautiful auditorium. And finally, the day came and, and, uh, and she was finished. And, and we moved in. Uh, to this brand new building and, and six weeks later, coronavirus hit. And we had to move back out of this beautiful building. Amen. And then we were in the parking lot and then we're online and, you know, we're doing this and that and, and uh, we've got, you know, corona, coronavirus outbreaks in the church and I'm just saying that this is a, that, that life has its thorns. We find here that Paul prayed on three different occasions that the Lord would remove his thorn. Notice verse number eight. Paul says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice. Three times I, I, I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, please take the thorn away. Whether it was this eye problem, eye disease, whether it was temptation, whether it was a demon, whatever, whatever it was that was oppressing Paul. And Paul said, Lord, please take the thorn away. Take the hurt away. Take the pain away. I never really saw it like this church. If we're not careful, we read this passage and I, I'm gonna be honest with you, that's sort of been my, my mindset for all these years. If we're not careful, we read this passage believing that God never answered Paul's prayer. It's not true. God did answer Paul's prayer. But he answered with a no. He did answer. A lot of times we read that scripture and we think, man, here's the apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians that probably ever lived. Here's a man that 
planted church after church and on missionary journey after missionary journey. I mean, listen, if anybody deserves an answer to prayer, if anybody uh, ought to get his prayers answered, Paul ought to get his prayers answered and, and yet God never answers Paul's prayer. That's not true. God did answer Paul's prayer, but he answered with a no. And Calvary, just because God doesn't give you what you ask for doesn't mean that God hasn't answered your prayers. Did you know that sometimes no is the best answer? So, you, a lot of parents here tonight, your teenager comes to you, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, and they come to you and they say, Mom, uh, some of the kids down at, at the school are having a party this weekend, and, and man, I'd really like to go, and uh, and I mean, listen, I, I'll make sure all my chores are done. I'll make sure my bed's made up. I'll, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I, I'll take care of all that. Mom, dad, I, I'd really like to go. I, I'd really like to go. And it's not that your parents don't answer your request, but they answer with a no. No, you're not going. By the way, it ends up that at that party, there was dope. And alcohol. Uh, several after the fact were arrested and the law had to be called and maybe there was a drunk driving incident and several kids were killed or, or put in place in the hospital. And so I just said that to say this, that actually in reality, the no answer was the best answer. Dr. J. Vernon McGee said it like this. Sometimes you and I keep asking the Lord for something to which he has already answered no. If he doesn't give us what we ask for, we think he has not answered our prayer. More often than not, his answer to my prayers is no. And eventually I discover that his no was the best possible answer that he could have given. So Calvary, I hope this will make sense. Can I just throw this, throw this out there to you? Never demand that God answer according to your will. Man, I, I, I get a little disturbed at hearing these preachers command God to do this and that. Amen. I command you. What in the world? You command who? You're commanding God. You little peep squeak. You're commanding God to do something? Well, how many know we don't command God to do anything? And so don't ever go to God and say, God, you're gonna do this. God, you, you're gonna do this. And hey, don't ever demand that God answer your prayers according to your wills and your wishes. Now, uh, we, we don't have time, but we're gonna take a little time tonight. I want you to turn over real quickly. Hold your place at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and turn over to the book of Numbers uh, quickly tonight, Numbers chapter 22. And I wanna give you an Old Testament illustration of a New Testament truth tonight. Numbers chapter 22 and look at verse number four, and I'm gonna read a, a, a little bit of scripture, but I'll read it very quickly tonight. And so just hang on tight tonight. You know, when I think about this thing of, uh, of not accepting the answer that God gives you, I thought about Balaam. Balaam, Balaam the prophet received an answer to his prayer, but his answer, God's answer was no. And we find Balaam rejecting that answer to prayer. Now look at Numbers 22 quickly. And look, I'll read this real fast tonight. Verse four says, And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. He sent messengers, therefore, unto Balaam, 
the son of Beor to, uh, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of, uh, from Egypt, talking about the Israelites. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I want that he whom thou blessed is blessed and he whom thou cursed is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came to Balaam, spake unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Watch here this night, and I will bring you word again as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. Now let me just preface the story here. So Balak is needing somebody to curse the children of Israel. He hears about this prophet Balaam. And so he sends his entourage to try to encourage Balaam to come down to where he is. And he wants Balaam, the prophet, to curse the Israelites. So what's going on? So these VIPs come to Balaam and they bring reward with them. And they say, listen, our king has sent us here and he wants you to come. We know you're a man of power and he wants you to come down. He wants you to curse the Israelites and so Balaam goes to the Lord. Look at verse number 10. And Balaam said unto God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt which, which, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them, drive them out. Look at verse 12. I've got it highlighted and emboldened. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. By the way, anybody here tonight don't understand that? It's pretty cut and dry, isn't it? And verse 13, And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. And Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. For I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. In other words, he sent his entourage back, but more important. And they said, you got to come. And if you come, our king will do anything you want him to do. Look at verse 18. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, if Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Verse 19, we have a problem. Now therefore I pray you, tear ye also here this night that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. Wait a minute, Balaam. You already know what the Lord said. Amen. He said, don't go. And he said, don't curse this people. And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, thou shalt do. Somebody said, why did God give him permission to go? One scholar said, this is the, what we would call the permissive will of God. It wasn't God's will. But sometimes if you just keep on asking and asking and asking, sometimes will God say, okay. Okay, go ahead. 
But I don't think what you're gonna, I don't think you're gonna like as much as what you thought you were gonna like. We notice here that Balaam should have settled for God's first answer. And because he did not do that, we know that Israel was plummeted into evil associations and idolatry. Now again, I'm gonna get in the main part of the message here, but, but church, don't ever demand that God answer your prayer according to your wants. So I, I, I've told this story through the years. Mom, I had a little baby. The little baby was sick, it was very sick. They put it in the NICU and it, it had a lot of problems and, and the doctor came and he said, ma'am, we've done everything we can do, but he said, the child's probably not gonna survive. Mom got so angry at God. She got alone somewhere and she went to the Lord and she said, Lord, that's not right. It's not right that you would take my baby. That's not right. You give me my baby back. That's my child. You give me my child back. And he did. That baby survived. It grew up to be a toddler and a junior and then later a teenager. And then that child got with the wrong crowd, began to run with the doping crowd and the drinking crowd and and, and its light began a, a downward spiral. And one night that lady got a knock on the door and when she went to the door, there were two uh, uniformed police officers there that had to break the news to her that her son had been tragically killed in a drunk driving accident. Now, wait a minute, Al. Uh, did you know that it would have been better if God would have taken that child when it was a little baby and it was not at the age of accountability and, and it would have been covered in the grace of God and, and God would have took that child to heaven and yet here's a mom that demanded that God answer her request like she wanted it answered and now there's a child that's going to hell and so don't ever don't ever demand that God answer your prayers according to your will so what do you do what, what do you do when God does not fulfill your prayer request what do you do you say pastor I prayed and prayed and prayed and, and God didn't God didn't he didn't hear me well he heard you but what do you do when God doesn't fulfill your prayer request? Well, notice what Paul did. Number one, we see here that Paul retains a great spirit. Would you turn back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12? I want you to see a few things real quickly tonight. We're done. Uh, I know it's, it's 828 right now, so just give me just a few more moments and we're gonna be out of here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number nine. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Look at, Paul, look at what Paul says. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know what Paul is saying? Most definitely, God most definitely did not answer my prayer the way I wanted it answered. But I will not allow that to affect my spirit. And Calvary, I wanna say to us tonight that be really careful that when things don't go your way, when God, it seems at least, that God doesn't come through for you and God doesn't answer your prayer the way that you think he ought to answer your prayer, be very, very careful that you don't allow it to damage your spirit. 
You know, we're, we're, and this is the truth. If I'm telling it, church, you know it is. We're, we're talking about all these mandates right now. And, uh, and listen, regardless of where you fall on the vaccine, that's between you and the Lord. But uh, that's all we hear right now. Mandate, mandate, mandate. And there's a mandate to wear a mask and a mandate to get the vaccine. And some people are like, I'll tell you one thing. I don't like the mandate. And I don't think I ought to be, a for, you know, be forced to do anything. And I was thinking about that this week. And I thought, you know what? As bad as that is, we, we put mandates on God. And we pray about something and, and, and we, we say, God, I need you to do this. And if you'll, if you'll do this, I'll serve you. And if you'll do this, I'll have a great spirit. And if you'll do this, I'll sing in the choir. If you'll do this, I'll serve you. Well, what if he doesn't do it? Yeah. Lord, if you don't answer my prayer, my spirit's not gonna be what it ought to be. Can I show you a, can I show you a great illustration? Let's take your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6, because this is a story that's really ministered to me the last few weeks with all, with all that's going on in our church. And I have ran to this story, and I want to use it tonight if I could quickly. 2 Samuel chapter number 6, and look, if you will, at verse number 1. 2 Samuel 6, verse 1, And David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah, to bring up from this the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart. Hey, Calvary, can I ask you a question? Is that how God told them to carry the ark of the covenant? That's absolutely not. Did you know what that was? That was a method of the world. The Philistines carried the ark on the covenant, uh, the ark of the covenant on a, on a cart. And they set, verse three, and they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which is at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark and David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. Look at verse six. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God took hold of it for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and God smote him there for his error. Not his sin, for his error. And there he, Uzzah, and there he died by the ark of God. Look at verse eight. And David was what? David was, David was displeased. We'll underline that word. And David was displeased. Because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah and he called the name of the place Perah Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him under the city of David, but David carried it aside in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. Look at this. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household and David was displeased. So y'all follow the story? The priests are supposed to be carrying the Ark of the Covenant with the staves on their shoulders. But they saw the Philistines do this, and so I guess David thought, looks good, let's try it. They're carrying the Ark of the Covenant on this cart, new cart. I guess that would make it better if it's a new cart. And, and uh and they're going through Nashon's threshing floor and they hit a, they hit a pothole, basically is what the Bible's saying there. And, and the, the wagon shook and the Ark of the Covenant shifted 
And when it did, Uzzah reached up to study the ark. And when he did, God killed him. You know why? Because no man can touch the ark. It's a, 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 a picture of the presence of God. And the Bible says, and David was displeased. That word displeased means to blaze up with anger. But it doesn't stop there. It means to blaze up with anger with the idea of jealousy. In other words, basically David was upset because God took one of his choice servants. And David said, wait a minute. That was mine. He was mine. He belonged to me. He was one of my main men. What are you doing taking one of my main men? And David was jealous because God did what God did. Now, wait a minute now. And because of that, David's spirit was wounded. And you read that story and you'll find out that because of David's animosity, he lost out on the blessings of God. He wouldn't bring the Ark of the Covenant to, to its home. And so he puts it in the house of Obed-Edom. And the Bible says that the house of Obed-Edom began to be richly blessed. Now, church, listen. Good preaching, bad preaching. This is what I'm saying. There's going to be times when God hears and answers your prayers. Let's go a step further. There's going to be times when God answers your prayers the way you want them answered. But there's going to be some times when God says no. Amen. And we have a choice. We can be like David and blaze up with anger and say, Lord, I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me. That, that's, that, that, just, that boggles my mind. I mean, that's not even common sense. And God says, you know what? It doesn't have to make sense to you. And by the way, did you know, did you know that God doesn't have to explain? But we notice here that when, when God says to Paul, Paul, no, I'm not going to remove the thorn. We notice that Paul retains a great spirit. Hey, we're, we're almost done. How about this? Number two, we notice that Paul renews his commitment. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 10. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 10. Paul said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. Look at the next three words. For Christ's sake. In other words, even though God didn't grant my wish, I'm going to continue to live for Christ's sake. Well, that's a good truth right there. You know, it'd be a great day at Calvary Baptist Church if we had a church full of Christians who said, God, regardless of what you do, I'm going on for Christ's sake. You know, the average Christian, you know what their, you know what their life could be titled? Let's make a deal. That, that's the average Christian. Let's make a deal. God, I'll tell you what, let's make a deal. You keep everything rosy door, you know, and you just keep everything going like it's going and make sure my car don't blow up and make sure the dog don't get sick and, you know, make sure the kids are healthy and, and uh, you, you do all those things. And I'll tell you what, man, we're just going to have the greatest relationship and I'm just going to go on and serve you. What if the car does blow up? What if the dog does get hit by the car? 
what if the doctor does say cancer? Well, all bets are off now. I'm just, I'm just saying this, that Paul said, Lord, I really would like you to take this thorn away. And God said, I love you, Paul. My grace is sufficient, but I'm not removing the thorn. And so Paul said, well, here's what I'm gonna do then. I'm gonna renew my commitment and I'm gonna serve you. You know what I thought about? I thought about the three Hebrew children. Y'all remember that story? Where, uh, where the king was making all bow to that uh, image when the music began to play and the three Hebrew children wouldn't bow and the king calls them in and, and he says, you better do what I say. And they said this, king, I want you to know something. Our God whom we serve is going to deliver us. But if not, but if not, we're not gonna bow to your image. We're going to live for God. Wow. Man. Wouldn't that be great? If this church was full of Christians who just said, Lord, whatever happens, come hell or high water. If you, for the next six months, if you answer all of my prayer requests with yes, I'm going to serve you. But if you answer all of my prayer requests with no, I'm still going to serve you. Paul retains a good spirit. He renews his commitment. We're done tonight. Number three. Paul realizes God has a perfect plan. Now look at this church. Evidently, evidently at some point, God reveals his master plan to Paul. What are you talking about, pastor? Well, look at 2 Corinthians 12 and verse number seven. And Paul says here, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, here it is again, lest I should be exalted above measure. And so evidently somewhere along the line, the Lord reveals to Paul, Paul, this is why you have your thorn. Because I didn't want you to get lifted up in pride. And so Paul says that twice. He says, lest I should be exalted above measure, as he starts the verse, and then he ends the verse, lest I should be exalted above measure. We need to understand that if God refuses to fulfill our request, it's because God has a master plan. There's a reason. And Calvary, remember this, God may reveal it to you sooner or later or possibly never. But it's a perfect plan. The songwriter said, tempted and tried. We're oft made to wonder. Why it should be thus all the day long. Why there are others living about us never molested. Though in the wrong. And then he said this farther along. We'll know all about it. Farther along we'll understand why. Cheer up my brother. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Now we're going to bring this thing to a close. It's 841. Someone says, Pastor, I've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and God told me no. God's not giving me my request. He's not giving me my wish. You say, what, what should I do? Number one, make sure you keep a good spirit. Number two, it might be a really good time for you to renew your commitment to Christ. But number three, church, and this is a tough one because none of us really understand all of this. God has a perfect plan 
and a perfect purpose. Now, am I going to come to you and say, I, I understand exactly what God is doing? I don't. Isaiah said, his ways are not my ways. And his thoughts are not my thoughts. And I'm going to be honest, some of the things that God has done here at Calvary in the last little bit, I'm thinking, Lord, that don't make sense. I don't even understand why you would, you would do something like that. But please understand something, that God sees things that you and I don't see. Old story. Lady left work. It was late at night. She gets in her car. It's already dark. And she decides to, because it is late, she wants to get home a little quicker. And so she decides to take a uh, shortcut. And she's on these back roads and uh, all by herself. And there's nobody out there. And this semi uh, comes up behind her. And its bright lights are shining in her, her back window. And uh, and of course, she's scared out of her wits. And so she speeds up. And every time she speeds up, the semi speeds up. And she slows down. He slows down. And, and she's just scared to death. And so she does her best to lose him. And she just can't lose him. I mean, this truck driver uh, just stays right there with her uh, and will not, I mean, just will not let up. And she tries everything. She's going around these curves. And, and uh, she's thinking, surely I'll lose him. And that truck driver just stays right there on her, uh, you know, on her bumper and finally finally after a little while she comes to this little uh, out of the way gas station it wasn't even open but this little out of the way gas station and there's at least a light a night light there and she pretty much just slides her car off the road into this gas station and hoping that maybe the trucker will will go on by and and he does the same thing he slides as well into the gas station her little heart just flutters and faints and 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 sure enough the truck driver jumps out of the truck and he uh, makes uh, you know makes a beeline to her car and she's doing her best to try to get the doors locked and, and before she can he rips the door open but not her door the back door and he wrestles out a, a man who was hiding in the floorboard with a knife and he wrestles that man to the ground is able to get the knife away from him and they call the authorities and the authorities come and they come to find out that this man that they catch is a serial killer that's responsible for several deaths and she was next you see the trucker from his vantage point could see some things she couldn't see. And it saved her life. And a lot of times God does things in our life and we're like, Lord, that don't make any sense. And God says, child, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. My favorite, favorite poem. My father's way may twist and turn. My heart may throb and ache. But in my soul, I'm glad I know he maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray. My hopes may fade away. But still, I'll trust my Lord to lead, for he doth know the way. Though night be dark and it may seem that day will never break, I'll pin my faith, my all in him. He maketh no mistake. There's so much I cannot see. My eye light far too dim. 
But come what may, I'll simply trust and leave it all to him. For by and by, the mist will lift. And plain it all he'll make. Through all the way, though dark to me, thank God he maketh no mistake. I don't understand all that God is doing, all that God has done. But I know God has a plan. And I know that I can trust him. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together. God, I pray that we've, I pray that we've got, received something that will help us. Father, sometimes your answers to our prayers are no. No. I know you want this thing. I know you've begged me for this thing. But my answer is no. And Lord, when those times come, and they will for all of us, help us to trust. Why is it so hard for us to trust? Lord, tonight, give us faith. Please give us faith. And Lord, when things don't go our way and when our requests don't seem to be answered, Father, help us to retain a good spirit, to do our best to smile. Help us to renew our commitment to Christ. Lord, you got me. I'm not going anywhere. And God, I pray, Father, that you would help us to realize you're working out a master plan. Father, I pray you'd use this uh, message tonight to help our church. Thank you for giving it to me. I still don't understand everything you've done, but I but I'm getting some help and I appreciate that. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Tonight, I wonder how many may be here this evening would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I am not sure that I would go to heaven. Well, I need somebody to pray for me. Will not embarrass you or uh, come back or try to drag you down an aisle or anything like that, but I would love to pray for you. And right now you'd say, Brother Steve, Would you pray for me? I don't know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Pastor, that's me. I take it by that. Everybody here tonight's born again. Whether you're there now or you'll be there later, there's going to come a time when God's not going to always answer your specific request. And I think it's good for us right now to go ahead and determine right now that when that time comes, Lord, I'm going to keep a good spirit. Lord, I'm going to serve you. And I'm going to do my best to trust you. Let's all stand tonight, if you would, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, have your way in this invitation. Oh, God. I'm asking you tonight to bless this church with faith. I'm asking you to bless this pastor with faith. God, help us to have faith in God. Help us to trust you. 
Help us not to become indifferent and displeased like David was, missing the blessings of the Lord. God, help us to trust. Help us to trust. Have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts. And and I pray that we'll make the decisions that we need to make. And we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. If, If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, there's a decision I need to make. Why don't, you, why don't you slip out right now? Maybe there's someone here tonight and you say, Preacher, I need to rededicate my life to Christ. Something happened. I, I, I got a little out of the way and sort of got away from the things of the Lord. And maybe tonight you'd come and rededicate your life to Jesus Christ. Would you come? Would you come? Maybe there's someone here tonight you say, Pastor, what's going on in my life doesn't make a lick of sense right now. And the devil has come. The devil's tempted me to to get bitter and indifferent. But I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust. What about it? Would you slip out tonight? Would you come? We're going to make our way to the main floor just for a moment. And if we can pray with you, we're going to be here. And we'd love to pray with you. If you're watching the live stream right now and you have a need, there's a number on the bottom of your screen. We have some folks that are waiting beside the phone to take your call. Would you call us right now? 704-327-5662. Would you call that number? And we have someone who wants to pray with you right now, right now. We'll sing in a minute, maybe, but while heads are bowed, if you need prayer, we're here. You come while we wait.